Hello, welcome to episode 5 of Hobby Sofa. I'm your host, Richie P, and joining me, as always, my good friend Andre. Hello. And with us, uh, reoccurring, is um, the wonderful Bill Anderson. Apparently I have not bought enough alcohol to be a good friend. <laughs> Mr. Anderson, welcome back. We miss <laughs> you. I <laughs> know oh, it was bad, but I wasn't ready. No, I think that was fantastic. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have to reply to that, Bill. Shut up. <laughs> Alcohol is on its way. Hold on, I think Amazon ships that. <laughs> it does, actually. By drone, apparently. <laughs> okie dokie. Right, so, we've got got ourselves a, a nice little running list. We're hoping to be organised, and we're hoping not to uh, take further than a day to get it out. So, without further ado, that's the phrase, thank you. It's, it's a little bit late for me. I've been... Actually, it's not late at all. I had a lie in this morning. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> before, we, I think before we start, I think we, we need to say, actually, to, to um, our wonderful one listener, Happy New Year and a Merry Christmas to you all. Absolutely. Yay. So, so you guys at wait. So you, you, but you're you're British. You actually celebrate holidays. <laughs> we do. <laughs> well, we do. <laughs> Dif- <laughs> or just because we don't do Thanksgiving doesn't mean we don't do all of them. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you something about uh, you know the way what we do with Christmas. It's got nothing to do with miniature gaming, but uh, I don't know, just information <laughs> really. Um, First of all, there's a different, like, there's an old calendar which used for religious holidays in Russia. It's Mm -hmm. because in the West we use Gregorian one, and uh, in Russia we use the one before. So uh, the dates for, like, holidays like Easter and Christmas, we have different dates for them, normally, like, a couple of weeks after. And uh, so we got this British Christmas, we got this... uh, Well, we got New Year, then we have our own Christmas, I think, 5th or 6th. Of January. Hmm. <laughs> What's the re- um, relevance of that date? Uh, well, no, the thing is, it's uh, at one point, uh, I don't know which century it was, but Pope Gregory actually changed the calendar, moved it like two weeks forwards. That's, oh, okay. And that's what used in the West. Hmm. <laughs> See, <laughs> I was just... I was thinking about the fact that, you know, all the Brits have Boxing Day and growing up in the U.S., I always thought that was cool because I love boxing, you know, welterweight, <laughs> lightweight. I mean, you guys got a whole day just I for the sport. I think it's about pool boxers, isn't it? <laughs> when I was younger, I used to think it was about that as well. <laughs> but it's not. I, it actually, only I think this year did I discover it isn't about that. <laughs> it's a great disappointment to find out it's about wrapping boxes. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> So what was it? It's uh, uh, yes yeah, for the poor. Yeah, it's not yeah, about wrapping boxes. It's about poor boxes. It's about charity. Oh, poor boxes. Into the box. Yeah, it's, it's, you thought it's about opening presents. <laughs> well, I, I just figured it was. Yeah, we call it Trash Day now. I figured that's what you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like going down to your local charity shop and just donating what you got. And mm. I mean, from what I understand, I mean, that it is does still kind of go on, kind of. I mean, I noticed that myself. Just when was it? This week, going down to the local. This is really boring radio for people. <laughs> Let's cut this out. <laughs> but this is what you tune in for. Oh yeah, this is this Ebony. is the, the, the creme de la creme. 
<laughs> Professional <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> okay, shall we start with the first topic, or maybe give a rundown of what we're doing? Uh, just start with the first topic, I say. Because then, if we if we can't meet, we're never going to start. Got to worry about it. Um, right, and um, we're going to have some images uh, come with this uh, podcast, and uh, yeah. there's two images which are all like split into numbers as well. Yes. So image A and image B. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will be talking about how to make really miniature trees for which can be used in bases or even make bigger ones for terrain. Mm. And- before we start, can I ask a quick question to Bill? Yeah. Um, have you ever worked with... I'm assuming you'll have in some way, shape or form, worked with trees before for wargaming? I have. Have and they been purchased or made or...? Most of the time I purchased them. I've also gone out and picked up um, Woodland Scenics mm-hmm. to get the foliage that would I would use for... Uh, sort of uh, <coughs> the leaves, if you will, and yeah. then gotten twigs to put on and then just painted over the twigs. Mm. Um, I don't do it much, but I may start here. So, something to interrupt the wooden scenics foliage. What is that you've been buying then? It's uh, so woodland scenics. I, I don't know. Do you guys not have woodland scenics over there? I, I guess think you would. We do, and I think I actually know what actually what you're talking about. I'm just double checking. There's several yeah. different types. Yeah, and, and the one I usually use is they, they have either a fall foliage or they have a sort of a greener foliage. It's really just sort of a clumpy. Is it lichen? Um, yeah, but it's, it's more of a foam. So, so it's, it's artificial. It's not actual natural plant life, but oh. it's, um, and, and you use it, you normally you would buy the woodland cedics for like train, uh, yeah. the train hobbyists and stuff like that to, to put clumps on your trees and glue them together. I, the nice uh, thing about the clump is it's very simple to use some white, you know, Elmer's glue or just some normal PVA glue mm-hmm. on the end of, uh, you know, end of either, um, you know, for for small branches and stuff, you use you know small twigs or yeah. even something as simple as a toothpick, and then clump up the foliage on the top, and it sticks nicely with the PVA glue. I know what you mean because I mean I've got a surface similar. I think it is wooden scenic. It may not be, um, but it's actual live lichen. Okay. And it's I and have again, it's that, but I'm not using it. Autumnal. Is it what? Actually, here it is. Is, is it wooden scenic? Um. I have yes, some it fall- is. Woodland Scenics. Yeah. It's uh, the autumn mix, live lichen, so you have to keep re- rehydrating every now and then to keep okay. it alive. Yeah, so the stuff that I've used from them is not the not the live. It's, yeah. it's uh, the it's fake very stuff. spongy. Yeah. Now, imagine using it for miniatures, having to spray your miniature once in a while. And what That's if exactly you paint it over it? It's exactly <laughs> It's just going to go dry and snap. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, this is why I gave it up. <laughs> Same goes for poly, um, for the foam one. Mm-hmm. By yep. the way, yep. if you want some, Richie, I can give it to uh, <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, I'm, I'm um, saying I've never bought any things like the... I know a lot of people like the GW um, trees that come with a base thing and the plastic stick-on leaves and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, never used them myself. Mine are, yeah, wooden scenics with the wire okay. frame with the lichen stuck on. 
Now I will say this: I do have a set of the GW the the forest base that has mm-hmm. the three trees, which I use for scenery, which I really like. I don't use any of the leaves on the top; I just use the dead, yeah. sort of like it looks like you know either uh, if you will winter trees with no mm-hmm. leaves on it or just the trees themselves. And because I'm a sucker, I do have the hanging tree plus the two hanged for, you know, the, the $80, uh, yeah. uh, GW set, which is the exact same size as the $25 GW trees. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, you know, at, at some point I'm, st- I, I still have it on my list to actually pick up the GW ones just to use as hanging trees in, in version <laughs> one Malifaux. <laughs> no, no. Actually, when I uh, was used to have a uh, local games workshop, it's closed down now. Uh, they had like a bit box, and uh, you know, sometimes they allow me to take like little bits from it. And mm-hmm. I actually have one of the foliage parts for that games workshop tree. Oh yeah. And I'm actually using it to make press molds to make like a floor made out of leaves. Okay, ah, that's clever. Right, okay, so that's where we are currently with what we do. So now this is a different technique, isn't it, Andre, that you're going to talk to us about? Uh, Yes, like I said, I really gave up using foliage materials Mm -hmm. mainly because of the durability issues associated with that. Mm -hmm. Because if it's something, if you use it on something what is actually playing pieces, it's not such a good idea. (laughs) And I suppose the technique you're going to talk about as well means you can make it look exactly like you want it to rather than what you Mm -hmm. want to have at hand. Yeah, that that also. Um, right, and um, I'm the way I do my trees is I actually do them same way which other people make uh, cold bladed weapons like swords. Mm-hmm. I do them in halves. See, um, first image A one. I actually just uh, press some uh, flat. Uh, Parts of millipad, yeah, that's I'm using millipad, which is the cheapest putty mm-hmm. available, probably. And um, you need to have some reference material with you, basically, to how you want to make your trees look and everything. And uh, you see, I started like making marks in the millipad of what sh- uh, shape I want the tree to be, and it's mm-hmm. kind of it's sort um, of. How did you do that? Were you any specialized tools or? Oh, just wax carving tools, you know. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and um, so the big part is like the main, uh, the main tree, mm-hmm. and the the one at the top right corner is uh, is a part of root, and the the one below it is uh, another branch, because by doing them separately you can make it look more three D. Because if it's just like before that, I was normally doing like flat trees, <laughs> but uh, but. Excuse me. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. By uh, adding extra branches later on, don't do mm-hmm. it all at once. You can actually make it much more realistic and uh, non uh, non two D tree. Mm. Okay. In A two, I just kind of cut it out. You know, whatever marks I made, I cut the actual object out of it and removed yep. all unnecessary parts using scalpel and everything. In A three, well, I actually uh, Andre, we it's so. Are you A one is your mold, right? And then you're pressing into that mold. No, no, it's not the mold. Okay, I, so A one is the actual tree. I gotcha. A one is just what uh, you know. I made some uh, flat, uh, 
flattened some millipot on a piece of cardboard. That's what it is. And started, you know, cutting into it with uh, modeling tools. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. uh, yeah. And in, in, in A2, I actually I cut them out accurately. You know, yep. <clears throat> in A3, I kind of started re-sculpting it a little bit more, uh, just uh, making the edges more rounded and uh, making it more neat. Also, you can make the branch look more live-like if you just press it at one point and it squeezes out. Because putty is pushed, you can make it look more organic that way. And uh, A4 is, once it's all dry, I peeled it off from a cardboard using scalpel, just insert it underneath there, it peels off. Normally, you're supposed to coat the cardboard with Vaseline, by the way. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so you see it's completely flat on the other side. So this is after it's dried as well, is it? It's after it's dried, yeah. Yeah. And then Um, you double that process to... Because you have the flat side, right? mm, Not exactly. Because... What I'm actually doing in A5, um, the thing is, the way putty dries, first it's very malleable, then it kind of toughens up, then it becomes like a hard... At one point, I'm not sure exactly, after a couple of hours, it becomes like a hard rubber. But not... Because when it dries completely after a few hours, it becomes like um, solid plastic, really, millipart. Mm-hmm. But at, when it's like hard rubber, I removed it. Of, you know, from that piece of cardboard, and uh, for small branches, I actually carve the other side to make them more round. Okay. It's only the main hmm. tree trunk. Only the main tree trunk. Once it's completely dry, I actually add um, uh, like a little thin sausage out of millipot and uh, ah, make the okay. other so side f- of a trunk. So for A5, you've added an extra thin little bit to round it out. I get you. Uh, extra thin bits. I just uh, I just cut them while it's uh, rubbery like. Yeah. When it's hard rubber. No, I because... mean, um, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And, um, right, we're going to have a look at the next image now. So so at this stage, you've got yourself your, how many? You've got your main trunk and The main trunk and bran- branches and, um, and the little root, which are no longer there because I attached it to the base, which you will see later on. Yeah. Oh, and also, it's quite all right if uh, the branches snap. You just uh, super glue it uh, back on, and it'll hold better than it was originally. Because now, at this point, if you wanted to do multiple bits, branches, would you yes. then press these branches into a press mold to make more? Uh, well, yes. I don't know. I suppose you could have. Uh, what happens is, um, you could have made a press mold out of it, but. Uh, it would be like uh, when you actually molded the part, you know, and it, the, when it comes out, it would mm-hmm. be fairly tricky, but you have to cut it off from the rest of millipod because it will be like a millipod pancake with a tree on the top, with a branch on the top, and you have to cut it off from the panking, pancake when it's uh, so, h- hard rubber. So I guess, I, so you... So I'm making an assumption here, so correct me if I'm wrong. So for you, if you were going to make multiple tree branches mm-hmm. or make multiple bits, you would just sculpt everyone separately through this five-step process. Mm, yes, but the trouble is, first of all, that branch, they're all of them going to be the same. So unless you want to make multiples of the same tree, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And also, it wouldn't be a finished product because it will be like a one-sided mold. You would have to carve it, the other half over it afterwards anyway to round them up because... Um, okay. Because you're only making one-sided mold. Right, right. Okay, and uh, now in the second image, it's B and B1. Mm-hmm. What I did is I make... After it's the actual branches and the, the trunk are completely dry, I just made a few little balls of millipad and uh, put the branch on a cardboard and stick ball like millipad parts on the branches where I want the foliage to be. Mm-hmm. So the big and the small one are on the B one, and it's it actually attached to the cardboard by that by that foliage thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually okay. because it's slightly sticky. It's kind of stays on a card piece of cardboard in b2 i started like carving those that mm, area so to actually make it more more foliage like so before i just i laid out a general shape in b1 where i want the you know foliage to be and then i actually shape it using a wax carving tool mm. I see that you've um, covered it in loads of little dots and that sort of stuff, um, little indents. How it's not you, so much dots, yeah, it's indents, but they're how not... How do you do ex- that? Is it literally just taking, like, a pointy thing and just going... Jab, 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 yeah, jab, pointy, jab. yeah, pointy thing, and I'd normally I just make it up as I go along. I Just, uh, you know, try to make it look natural. Sometimes, you know, it becomes, it spreads a bit too much, and you actually chop bits off later on, you know, carve it in the shape you want, as well as, you know, making marks on it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, once you make quite a few deep marks, you know, parts of it will start fall away, and you will remove them, and, you know, in the end, you have, like, a branch and the, the main tree thing. Yeah. <laughs> and in B3... When, again, once it's dry, you peel it off, and this time you have the foliage, which is just one-sided. <laughs> yes. And um, <clears throat> what I did now is fairly complicated now, because what I need to do in the next one, I'm not sure how to show it in the picture, but in B4 you have a pretty much complete tree now. What I did, you need to find the place where you want the branch to go on a tree and actually sculpt the extra bit on a tree which will make it uh, seamlessly you know now in your picture am I correct in assuming that what you did is you laid the branch over the top in B4 your branch is going vertical over the top of the trunk right so that the foliage matches up uh, yeah, and well, it's not doesn't necessarily have to match up. It has to kind of slightly match up, just slightly mm. in the same area. Because what you do then, you stick a piece of um, millipod between them, and mm. it will kind of and yeah. then fill the gaps with uh, uh, with millipod. Basically, gotcha. start building on top of that. So, also, I had, like, an extra difficulty here, because um, if you see in B5, I actually have a piece of rock where the tree goes. Mm-hmm. And, um... And a boot. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, basically, what I had to do is I had to stick a piece of... Uh, because normally I would just sculpt the other side of a foliage. But this time, this foliage was coming into contact with the rock. So yeah. I had to actually sort of 
do foliage very roughly and then uh, stick it to the rock so it will imprint, you know, mm. so it has completely fits, you uh. know. And if if you see carefully on that piece of rock, there's a little root, which I did earlier. It's already attached there. Mm-hmm. And I also did, like, a little platform for the samovar to go on. Everyone knows what that is? Samovar? Uh, yeah, I would have no idea other than I'm looking at it. it okay. I think it's the boot thing. Okay, samovar <laughs> is actually... A Chinese invention, not Russian one, although it was widely used in Russia. It's uh, The actual name translates as self-cooker, although later it's mostly associated with making tea. It's what uh, how you make tea Russian style, you know, huge tanks of water. Well, the the recent, well boot <laughs> is something uh, old folklore thing. Um, uh, okay, I'll tell you. What it actually means? <laughs> because you gotta, you gotta do that. Now some of us are electrical because you have the heat element inside it and it'll heat the water. But before that, there was a separate compartment which uh, had coals in it, and you use the boot to pump the air into it to start the fire to blow on the coals. Right? Why? Why a boot? Oh, it's just um, something the way peasants used to do it. You know. Okay. Because it it basically it, there's a pipe on the top of it, and you attach a boot to it, and then use the boot to pump the air into it. You know, was you that, push so, on top of a boot. Yeah, and so it was a like what a, a leather rubber boot type thing. So therefore, yeah. it, it insulated the heat, and didn't, therefore you wouldn't get burned by it. No, no, no. You would just put a boot on top of a pipe, and then press the boot down to make air goes into compartment with coals you know like you oh, have okay it's like a billow yeah Hello. okay huh. <laughs> yeah but uh in a even though later some of us were generally associated with tea before that it they had like several compartments inside where you actually cook food not just make tea nice and it's a chinese invention i believe i think they called it something like hot pot where you have compartment with coals in the center Okay. Before that, they didn't have lids. They were just like uh, like uh, cauldrons separated into like three sections plus a section in the center where coals are. And in one section, you would like boil water for tea. In another section, you would make a soup. In the another, you would just cook some grain. <laughs> hmm. Well, there you go. And there yeah. you go, kids. Now you know what some bar is. Some some salmon. Samovar. Samovar. There you go. Every day's a school day. Mm. <laughs> History lesson. <laughs> yeah. Okay, come on. <clears throat> so what I did before is um, it's actually quite complicated because I had to fill the gaps between... On one side, I had just had to fill the gaps between the two branches mm-hmm. uh, of the foliage. And the other half, I had to make that up on my own. It's just combining all of these things, what is difficult. Uh, mm. Also, on B4, it's actually a same tree from seen from both sides. Yeah. So before yeah. that, we just... Uh, mm-hmm. And um, also, on B5, you see there's a little uh, like uh, piece of cloth with a bread on it. Mm-hmm. A sliced bread. Yeah. And on B6 is the complete base. Uh, all put together. So you have the samovar, 
on one side. Basically, she was just about to have tea and she was interrupted, so she had to like climb the tree into that piece of rock and you know s- scout the air- surrounding area. <laughs> nice. Sort of like tells a story almost. So like a little diorama in its own right. Mm. And like I said, uh, it's not just for bases. You can make something bigger just for terrain. You know, make it like seven, eight centimeters bigger or make multiple branches. And Yeah. So from start to finish, how long do you reckon this took? Um, including drying time. Well, a few days, I guess. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Also, the way I make rocks, uh, first I just uh, use parts of... Uh, uh, ice near the new plastic ice column, like where his feet are, and just to make some rocks at the bottom, and uh, from one side only. Then I just started like filling that space with millipart, so I had like slightly elevated area. Then what I've done, I just made little balls out of millipart and kept uh, stacking them one on top of another to build up the height of that area. Mm-hmm. And then once that dry, I just started, you know. Uh, sticking bits of milliparts on the side and uh, just carving it to make it look like a rock side and uh, I just I don't plan at this point I just make it up as I go along and And again with this you say about putting on the balls and the little bit of extras Um, do you wait for them to dry before you put the next bit on or just keep Uh, on going while it's still no, there the weren't actually balls. I was pressing them. They were like uh, thick pancakes. Uh, when, you know, I pressed balls into each other till it built up that area. And mm-hmm. once I had it built up, then I waited for it to dry. And then I started uh, attaching millipads to the side of it. Okay. To the sides. Mm-hmm. And, um, now, why would you do that at the different layers instead of taking... And and maybe this is a rudimentary question, So, but mm-hmm. I, that's sort of where I'm at with sculpting. Instead of just taking a big clump and sort of doing the twist, I, I mm, good, good, good d- question. Well, I don't know. It's just I feel I have more control this way. Okay. Because you know, I do it bit by bit. I press a. I don't just stack them directly on the top of each other. I just kind of I sort of bend it. To the side where I want it to go, and when it goes, I shape it this way, adding bits. I have more control of where it actually goes. And I think that's good to know because I, I will tell you, if I was just looking at the picture without hearing how you do it, I think my approach, which probably wouldn't look nearly as good, would be to put a big clump of milliput on there, give it a little twist, and try to carve out the sides. Same thing. Like that's 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 what I was trying to do. <laughs> the trouble yeah. is, if you start like carving out sides, then it will bend all over the place. That's the thing. Uh, <laughs> that's the exact okay. problem I have. Right. <laughs> because you have to have something solid in the middle, of, so it doesn't go all the way through. And that's where building up all the layers, and then using the layers for the sort of the rough, the rough edges of the rock, and then smoothing it in would build more no, stability. I'm not, sm- I'm not smoothing it in. That's the no? thing. I wait because it. In the beginning, once it dried, it was like, um, well, I wouldn't, it's like little uh, flattened uh, balls, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) on top of each other. That's what it looks like. But then, after it's all dry, I started sticking bits of wet millipat, malleable millipat, to the sides of it, and then carved them bit by bit. Okay. So I had a solid foundation in the middle. Okay. 
I should probably make a tutorial about rocks next time. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting, for sure. So mm. you do a lot of rocks in your in your bases, don't you? A lot, a lot of stonework and. Um, for like natural looking bases, I guess, or rubble looking bases. Because what I do, I I, I combine just like uh, press molded bits. You know, I make like rubble out of them, <laughs> and then I have like some rocky part on top of one side, and uh, you have to keep like working out where the model's feet go, and uh, then after that, dry. You know, you. you you attach bits to it and then shape them. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, because you know, if you just have, like, one lump, if you send, uh, like, press something in one on one side, it'll come out on the other. Yeah. Because the, the, the putty is pushed. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, and finally, well, there's a picture which I sent you, which isn't actually going to be in the final... Uh, uh, attachments because um, I'm hoping to actually finish the mini- painting the miniature mm-hmm. uh, by the time Richie finishes editing the podcast so it should... shouldn't be too long mm-hmm. how long do you need? <laughs> two days, a few days is enough cool, I'll look, I'll look for a weekend put, put, push out then mm-hmm. and um, also if you see the way I painted it Mm-hmm. You're looking at a tree because normally you know how you make snow, you know, in dioramas. You normally Actually, use soda. Do you, I, I don't know how you make snow. <laughs> Everyone else seems to, but I don't. Because people just, you know, PVA soda, you know, put some PVA on there and sprinkle soda on it. But again, it's not yeah. very solid. It's not very solid, so I don't use that. What you see there is just tree out of millipot with sculpted snow. Oh, also, I forgot to mention, I actually, I sculpted some uh, uh, snow on the trunk of the thingy. And uh, what I did is just um, made a little tiny thin sausage out of millipod, you know, uh, stick it to the trunk and then started carving it, you know, to make it like, you know, marks and to make it look like it's uh, sprinkled snow. Hmm. And then just painted it. And again, the top of a tree is, if the sides of it is very carved, on the top I actually have, like, smoothed out area. Normally I have, like, carved on the top as well. But here I have smoothed out area, so to make it look like it's sprinkled with snow. And I think I actually achieved quite a realistic effect without using um, any soda or anything, like, or, like, water-based materials or anything like that. It's just painted millipad, nothing more to it. Hmm. Yep. I assumed you'd applied something over the top of it. I assumed. But no. not. No, no, it's just uh, what's on top of it is just millipart, you know. Yeah. Okay. And because on B6 you actually see complete base and uh, the painted thing is nothing added. It's just, it's just that. Hmm. Okay. Cool. So that's uh, first part of a podcast done. Much faster than the last time. Hobbies, <laughs> hobbies section uh, uh, lasted more than an hour, an hour and a half. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, next what subject. Was, yes, what was the next bit? Bushido? Yeah, go for it. Okay, I mean, so... I have, as, as you already discussed, I haven't played Bushido, I haven't bought into Bushido, so there's very little I can comment on other than question you guys and what you guys <laughs> think of it. 
Uh, Bill, you have some Bushido, don't you? Um, I do not. I have not played. I am familiar with it. Okay. And and I've been looking at it, but the in my local area, there's only one group who has bought into Bushido. Uh, they bought in at Gen Con, and they, you know, it's it's a good group, but they're a little bit distant and. Uh-huh. Um, they're also one of the heavier uh, Malifaux groups, so Bushido is oh. not one of their primary games. Well, here locally, we have nothing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, nobody plays it. Uh, well, some people, well, very few people bought it from leisure games. And uh, all, there's a shop in central London, right next to London, I forgot what's it called. Uh, Dark Sphere. Um, yeah, Dark Sphere. Yeah, they basically carry full range. Uh, leisure games just have some older stuff and um, I mean the way I bought into Bushido I actually started getting it before it came out because uh, well the forum Bushido forum doesn't actually displays like the registration number of each uh, uh, member unlike some forums and uh, but if I if there was my number mine would be in double digits Okay. That's how early I discovered it. <laughs> um, re- my resolution account again is in double digits. <laughs> <laughs> now you've painted the models, but you haven't played yet, Andre. I haven't played yet. I know the rules, although I kind of started forgetting them now since it's kind of hard to juggle several systems in your head. Um, but we will talk about rules later. But um, the thing is, uh, when I well, I'm a sucker for Oriental style miniatures, mm-hmm. uh, like you know Chinese, Japanese. You know, if it's nicely made, then <laughs> and um, well, obviously. So it's like kind of the subject of uh, the actual models which attracted me first. Although normally mm-hmm. it's it's always the model which attracts me first. Yeah. The, the game goes after. <laughs> and um, I bought into Malifaux roughly the same time. It was like what two and a half, three years ago now. Okay. Something, uh, something like that. And um, in fact, the first miniature which I got from Malifaux was like about a month before I got into Bushido. It was uh, Litu. You know that the one with the whip, the fe- yep, yeah, one of the twins. And um, the reason I got it was actually because of that chain weapon. I was going to press mold it and use it for something. And I originally planned just, I don't know, to paint up the model, maybe sell it or something like that. (laughs) Because, you know, uh, figures of women with horns normally sell well on eBay. And (laughs) 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 yeah, I actually needed the chain weapon, but that I'd never actually finished that project. It was for... uh, female vampire on Abyssal Terra for Games Workshop vampire accounts, but I never got around doing that project yet. I just made some sculpting for it, but it's kind of on hiatus at the moment. <laughs> and uh, about a month after that, I got into Bushido and I ordered my two starter sets before it actually was released. Mm. So, like, I pre-ordered them. <laughs> and... Um, while I was waiting for my pre-orders to arrive, I bought my first box of Malifaux, which was Kirai. <laughs> okay, that yeah, I can see where those those would fit. So, how do you like the models? Um, I like a lot of the models. Um, 
it's hard to say which faction is my favorite because I I like have favorite models in each faction. So far, I painted two factions. I never actually play it yet, but I have two completely painted factions, which were basically my entries to to pass two salutes. And um, okay. well, that was the thing we saw last episode, wasn't it? Hmm. That's what we saw last episode, wasn't it? What did we see last episode? Your um, yeah. big diorama. Oh, that, yeah. That was with um, Bushido models. Yep. Yeah, that was Cult of Ure, the kind of undead faction. Although not all of them actually undead. You got all sorts of weird uh, yokai in it, really. You got undead, you have evil wizards, you have just bandits, you know, Eta, who are considered like non-people. Well, Eta, bandits. A bit, a bit like how you know, Malifaux just... contains undead and it contains spirits and other things. Well, not all of them are dead. Some of just like corrupted humans are in there, like okay. like again, just your general bandits and uh, mutants and uh, what else is in there? Uh, you have weird creatures. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have like some creatures from hell, even like that wheel they released the other day. It's like a wheel with a human head attached on it, and it rolls and drags people into hell. Right, a wheel. Yeah, it's a wheel. <laughs> Burning wheel. Okay, that's a bit weird, but oh well. <laughs> um, Stranger things have been done. Yeah, yeah I think it, it, the, cult, the cult are all... They also have like the... Um, God, I want to call them Skaven, but they're not Skaven. The rat people. Oh, the Nazumi. Yeah. Although it's not actually a weird creature. It's just a... Well, actually, no, it is so, a weird creature. It can is assume, it a weird creature or is it a rat person? It's a rat man, but it can assume yeah. the form of a swarm of rats. Okay. Oh, like Ratkin from, were- from Werewolf. Yeah, but they can't turn human, although yeah. they right. were once human. So yeah, so it's sort of their yeah, they're it's it's a it's a catch-all all all of the horrors in the universe type of. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, Type just faction, like, right? Just general boogeyman things what goes bump and the dark evil mages and undead. Because there's another evil faction there, which is Savage Wave, which is uh, demons, really, and Bakimono, which is also like a boogeyman. They're like mm. uh, okay. gremlins, goblins type things. But um, they actually changed the rules recently. They used to be like teleport all over the place as long as they're not seen, because they're boogeymen rather than goblins. But now I think there's some, been some changes down to it. Oh, speaking of which, Bushido, uh, beginning of last year, beginning of, of 2013, went through an addition change, which changed every profile card. Okay. Before that, there was um, a mechanic called uh, Triggers, which didn't really work. It used to work is if you get a very huge success, like with big success difference, sort of like similar like rolling high damage in Malifaux. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you do that, then uh, some additional effect would happen. But that was very rarely happened. So they got rid of it and uh, added something like something w- abilities which just reduce your total fighting pool. Okay. Right. Like now- sacrifice a little bit of power for like effect. Bushido also took a very interesting, uh, to me it was interesting, they took a different approach to their edition change than some of the other game companies I've seen, which is you can download 
every one of their cards for the yes. rules for the models, and you oh. can download all of their rules. Yes. So it's like, all when free. When you say all of their rules, do you mean as in like the main rule book, or oh. just like the basic yes. rule set? Uh, no fluff in there, but uh, no all fluff. the rules, all the scenarios are there. It's the okay. complete rule book. Wow. Also, recently, you can only download cards which are not the latest uh, phase. Yeah. Well, but now, right, it, right. It, now it's complete. It, they, because I thought they, that was counterproductive, because people want to plan, you know, what they're buying, so they they, they show the rules. No, the... Yeah, I don't know where what they would say about it, but I know, especially in the tech industry, this is very much the mindset of, um, you know, it's the mindset that, that a lot of the tech companies we're familiar with started with, which is if I give away my content and I have a solid business plan, you know, a solid business plan, people will come and buy my product. Yeah. And, and same thing me. with infinity. Infinity yeah. gives all rules for free. Yep. Mm. So you can go play. Like if, if it's something you're interested in, you can download, you know, like I could go in and, and find the uh, the cards for the models that I want to play in whichever faction they have, download the rule book, and play full games. Yes. And then if I'm happy with it, then I would go buy the models because, you know, why wouldn't I support the company? Yeah. The thing is, uh, it's easier to, you know, uh, find players, you know, say, okay, you, you can read the rules for free, you know, if you like it, right. you know. Mm. Where are the company based? What, Bushido? Yeah. Uh, GCT Studios, they're in London. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Interesting. The local. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I did. I had a. I had a chance to talk to Toby. Uh, Toby is one of the primary developers for the game, and uh, I'm trying to. Uh, Toby Nathan. Yeah. Is his name, and I had a chance to chat with him for uh, for quite a bit, actually. Um. Specifically talking about some of the what goes into uh, sort of the background. Um, well, see, I'm trying to avoid and, and be nice, but I'll just say it. So I have some segments coming up for my own podcast, which which are sort of a developer's diary. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was one of the developers that I that I brought on to do that. One of the three developers for the first set of developers diaries. So we talked a lot about the mindset that went into developing Bushido in the game. And specifically some of the differences that they approached. And I gotta say, it's, um, it, it's very interesting to hear some of the things they did. Like, they use a two by two board, uh, which, yes. you know, was equal. Yeah. So, and the reasons behind that, you know, the, uh, their dice system and sort of how their dice system works different from other dice systems and things along those lines. So. Can I just quickly comment about the board? Because oh, yeah. what you can actually do, it's actually very convenient because you don't need a table. You can make a, you can take one of those games workshop foam boards, you know, the quarter tables, and yep. you know, just and use that, make a board out of that, and that's it. Take it under armpit and take bring it with you, anywhere. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Andre, in your experience, how would you say the rules compare to other tabletop games? Um, I mean, it's a skirmish game, isn't it? Uh, it would be easy if I compare it to Malifaux, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, interesting thing about it. Obviously, it's alternate uh, actions and things like that. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, instead... Which seems to be a very in thing at the moment. Well, yeah. yeah. It's convenient, you know. 
and because you don't want to wait the whole turn, you know, really waiting. Yeah. I mean, Infinity. Oh, no, I get that. I get that. Infinity yeah. gets away with it because they actually found a really clever way, you know, to do this. Everything is an Overwatch in Infinity mm. all time, so you can act during your opponent's turn. But mm. normally, alternative alternate uh, actions is the norm. Yeah. An important thing to notice, though, is um, unlike in Malifaux, because you have like uh, complicated action and simple action, which is like a single and double action, really. Mm-hmm. If you do a single action with something, that's it. That's uh, you've done an action. Now another has a turn. Then you have an option to do another action with the same miniature. Mm-hmm. So it's not just you don't do two single actions. If you do either double action or, or a single action, and then your opponent has a chance to do something. And uh, when you do a simple action, your condition of your character worsens. So it becomes from uh, rested to tired. And from tired to exhausted. Once it's exhausted, they can't do anything. Okay. And is that just a a chain of events, or do they get like debuffs as they as they become closer to exhausted? Uh, If attacking someone who's exhausted, they have less dice pool. But what about before you get to exhausted? No. If you're tired or rested, it makes no difference. Only if you're exhausted. Also. Another thing, the comb- the actual melee combat is simultaneous. So okay. if in Malifaux you get someone attacked and you, you either block it or not, unless you have reposit, you know, you're not hitting mm-hmm. back. But in uh, Bushido, it's simultaneous, they're attacking each other. So oh, you, right. you, you have a combat pool, which is like uh, three or four dice, well, two, three dice, and then uh, you can also increase it using uh, you by spending key points, which you gain. Well, it's like one of the energy currencies you have in the game. Uh, they regain key, you know, uh, every turn to equal to the key statistics and something like that. And there's a key maximum they can have. Uh, and uh, you can obvi- convert key into bonuses to attributes, temporary bonuses for action and things like that. And also use for special abilities. So normally, if you have like uh, three dice, you either use two in attack and one in defense, or two in defense and one in attack. Or if you have four, you can use any combination. Okay. Also, you have uh, something called uh, special attacks and special defenses, which range uh, from numbers one, oh, actually zero, one, two, sometimes really three. Is um, you can reduce your die pool by that amount. I think it's zero, one, or two. Actually, I, never, I don't remember seeing three one. And uh, you basically that reduce your total dice pool, but you also get special abilities. And if it's zero, that means it's free. You just select it. You don't actually have to sacrifice anything. Right. So some example include like push attack and push defenses. Once you get attack or defend, you get to push an opponent away, or you can make knock them down, or make attack stronger, or or counter, or do flurry of blows and things like mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah. So in this, if like a weak character attacks a powerful one. So instead yeah. of just, you know, absorbing, you know, his attack and just waiting there, uh, the weak character can actually get hurt or killed <laughs> by attacking someone. Hmm. Because they simultaneously attack each other. It's like simultaneously... Yeah. yeah. But the reason why weaker character might want to do that 
is because if he attacks someone, that character's ability will get worsened. So fighting in combat, uh, either as attacker or defender, because you both attack and defend at the same time, is actually co- counts as doing one action. So if you defend, yeah, so it'll it, exhaust you. Yeah. So basically, then if like a couple of weak creatures attack something really powerful, if they they might not survive it, or they might survive it because you can be very attack and be very defensive as well, and basically you will exhaust it, so it won't be able to act. I see. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the things. Having not played it, so I don't haven't experienced it. It's one of the areas that really interests me about Bushido is that's where they've built in their bluffing. Is you know I'm going to pick up two different colored dice, you're going to pick up two different colored dice, and it's going to be a different mix of attack and defense. Oh yeah, because you don't declare how much you use for right. attack or defense. You use uh, red, what white and black dice. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Then you just put number of dice in your head, and then you both roll them at the same time. And uh, so, you know, you don't know what, how, how, what he defended or attacked, you know. You can go into full defense and use all defense. <laughs> yeah. But then you can sacrifice some of the dice, you know, to, you know, to do, like, counter if you want to. <laughs> it's different things. Hmm. Okay. Right. Um, what about the models? Okay, so we already talked a little about the Cult of Yure and the uh, Savage Waves. Yeah. So the next, well, the basic samurai faction is Prefecture of Ryu. Is it also known as the Dragon Clan. Where you have lo- like a lot of samurai types, you have a lot of uh, Ashigaru, which is like foot soldiers. Mm-hmm. They there's some commander models which like buff other models and buff Ashigaru, and uh, some have command abilities which can do something similar to. Oh, I forgot what the you know in Malifaux when you have several models taking action at once. Ah, what's it called? Uh, companion, sort of. Yeah, no, the... well, in the newest companion, before you can do oh Alpha Strike, yeah, you mm, can do yeah. Alpha Strikes and uh, that sort of thing. So it's like very uh, disciplined force. They're quite well armored, decent fighters. Like Shigaru, obviously, samurai are really tough. That sort of thing. Uh, there's some uh, additional support characters, like there's a healer, there's like some magicians even, there's a guy who can manipulate time. <laughs> uh, he's quite interesting. Um, now, from a model standpoint, they're all, I th- I'm, I'm fairly certain they're, they're all metal models. They're all metal. Yeah. And the quality is pretty much same as Metal Malifaux. How Same level. Com- how do you say it compares to uh, plastic Malifaux? Uh, same as In metal Malifaux Malif- <laughs> compares to plastic Malifaux. I say it's the models done pretty much on the same level, with the same level of detail. But, I mean, would you, for argument's sake, would you rather get um, Malifaux Ten Thunders and proxy them into, or would you rather do the other way around, use Bushido and proxy into Ten Thunders, say? Um, the thing is, if you take some of the Malifaux's uh, old metal uh, things like, ah, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, uh, some stuff you get with Kirai, like Daitsube and Oniryo, mm-hmm. or also... Metal Ten Thunders, like Ten Thunders Brothers, those could easily pass 
as Bushido miniatures. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually am a massive... You know I'm a massive fan of latest plastics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want everything to become plastic. You see, I like Malifaux as plastic, but I don't <laughs> want Bushido to become plastic. Why's that? Mm, I don't know, because then I'll have lots of miniatures which don't match again. <laughs> Because that's the problem I have with Malifaux now. <coughs> okay. It's like, is, is, that, is that purely the reason? Is... Um, the thing is, I like metal miniatures for their own reason. And I like new Malifaux plastics for their own reason. And, and <coughs> what, what, what are those reasons? Um, well, okay, plastic Malifaux, they have really dynamic poses. And uh, just the level... Also, the style of models is like very complicated details and uh, the proportions, you know, I... You see, I like the plastic Malifaux proportions, like thin hands and, you know, small faces. But at the same time, I like sometimes to paint, you know, something what I'm more used to. So, it's like, Hmm. um, I remember in the 90s, there were like lots of... uh, like comic fans went into manga, discovered manga, mm-hmm. which is Japanese comics, mm-hmm. and lots of um, European comic. Well, not you. Why did I say European? American mostly. <laughs> well, Western comics uh, actually started mimicking Malifaux. Oh, manga style. Good grief! Uh, started mimicking manga style, and I didn't actually like that. There were like a couple of people who done it successfully, like Pet Lee, but other than that. You know, I don't want everything to start looking like manga. Mm-hmm. Even though that I do sense. like manga. <laughs> um, right. Um, the next faction is another. It's actually a mix of samurai monster faction. It's called. It's one of the later ones. It's something I actually pledged in the uh, Indiegogo campaign called Ito. Okay. Ito is one of the exiled clans, so they have lots of samurai types in there as well. They exiled to, like, a remote island, which is fairly big. We can cover it with jungle. And they got corrupted by snake spirits, which leave there. <laughs> as you do. <laughs> and they actually get... Some of them mutate in, like, half-human, half-serpent forms. Mm-hmm. So you get, yeah, like, dagger like creatures. And uh, they have some ni- really nice hybrids, you know, uh, bottom torso, serpentine, upper torso, human type. They still look like very Japanese, like samurai and some priestesses and things like that. Um, they all have poison. <laughs> they And they also have something called blood of Orochi, which means you can have like a pool in uh, for all your faction. Uh, which is something like a combination of all Blood of Orochi points. And you can use it to boost individual poison abilities. So they're they're really vicious. And uh, they can also... Well, like Itsunagi, the only Ito miniature which I have painted, he's just vicious bastard. He he can count and, you know... Yeah, it's one of the scariest models in the game. Um, they also have some other weird hybrids, like this cobra one, which is actually upper torso serpentine head. Uh, 
and uh, and and there's another one which isn't actually out yet. It'll be out in the next phase. It's like a human with a really long neck and a snake's head. Okay. Well, I haven't seen the art for that one. Oh, it's on their website, you know, okay. the previews they have. They also have a really nice... Um... Oh, what was it now? Oh, I, I forgot. Yeah? Yeah, I I will say that... Um... So Ido is is one of the clans that I, if I get into this game, this that's where I would be most interested in going. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the way the models look. So mm-hmm. uh, very. See, I I go back to you know my my introduction to this would be D and D ish, which is very oh. Naga like. Mm-hmm. Um, now that being said, uh, you know, Richie, you were asking before about you know, metals to the plastics and how do they compare? Um, the other thing I will say about their models, I, I think the models, the art style, let me go back to the art style. Uh, the art style, I think they do Asian better than the 10 thunders art style from, from weird, but it's not far off. I, I think they're both very good. And just like we saw with, you know, Weird's models, I think Bushido does a fantastic job of matching the model and the sculpt of the model to the art. Mm. Mm. Um, at least from what I've seen. Now, you know, I've I've only played with a... I've only you know, touched, I, I would say, a couple of their models. Um, none of the ones in Edo, but the models I have looked at all really closely approximate the art that they have, which, uh, which I think is only a positive, because then you can... You can learn to like the art, and then the art translates into the models, and then you just have to worry about your painting skill, or yeah. you know how much you pay your commission painter. <laughs> so, to both of you, question each: um, out of what you've seen of Bushido, what is your favorite looking model? Oh, not stats, just look and appearance. I have several. <laughs> uh, like I really like. Uh, one of the female Nagas. Mm-hmm. The one which they've done in Indiegogo campaign. Not the latest one. Although I have other one as well. There's an Archer one, which is fairly decent. Do you know what she's called? Uh, I, I know the one oh, you're talking I, I, about. I can, you know, I'll look at the cards. Ka- Kahimi? Yeah, Kahimi Ido? No, her name is no? Ay- 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 Ayako. Ayako, okay. Ayako. Give me a second, I'm just pulling that up. Ayako. Oh, not the archer girl, but the the sort of demony looking girl. Mm, well, she's like a priestess, and also I really like the actual basic samurai you get, retainers you get with Ito. Those are just awesome. The one from the starter. Yep. Give me a second. Because there's uh, the the woman which runs forward. I could actually make like a little plank road going on the side of a cliff and there'll be like maybe a Japanese style lamp there, you know, <laughs> some, you know, jungle tree, <laughs> maybe a tree, you know, other tree there. <laughs> yeah, I'll say for... <laughs> For me, uh, there is a model in... Which faction is this? There's a model in the prefecture. Um, Matsu T- Takashi. 
which Edition. is the samurai. Yeah. Um, uh, the female, the female model with the robes, and she's kind of doing some magic in between her hands. Oh, that one! I know what you're talking to. Hanyon, I'll quickly find uh, her name. Oh, Matsu Takeshi. Yeah, Takeshi. Yeah, Takeshi I, I like her model, and then I think tied, almost tied for first place for me from a from a taste mm-hmm. standpoint is the Ito Samurai guy. Um, Which, the one with a huge weapon. The one with the huge weapon and the snake body, uh, Kenzo. Kenzo Ito. Oh, okay, Kenzo. Okay, that one. Yeah. Because there's a there's another guy there, which is um, called... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Satoshi. He's actually gigantic. He's like that crouching, uh, <laughs> crouching death marshal. Is that thing? Oh, <laughs> and, okay. And his weapon is just really oversized. <laughs> now, so the other thing I'll say, I originally came across the Bushido models. Uh, the first model that I bought, uh, in fact, the first couple of models I bought. The first model I bought was from the Cult of Yuri. Mm-hmm. Yuri. And it was the yeah, you're, you're, and it was the standalone Wraith model, and I bought that as my to use as a proxy for my Hungering Darkness because I I oh. hate the way you know <laughs> tadpole Hungering Darkness looks. I don't yeah, think he that's looks like one of a darkness. few Cult of Yuri models which I don't have. <laughs> okay. I, hmm. See, I, I think it looks like a Hungering Darkness. It has a bit of yeah. an Asian flair, which works with Ten Thunders. And then the other thing I picked up at the time, uh, funny enough, because... Um, let me see if I can find them. There I was. I could make Hungering Darkness look good. <laughs> okay, well, let's be fair, though. I mean, Andre, you can make most models look good. <laughs> so... You know, I, I have to applaud your 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 modeling ability there because uh, yeah, I can make this shirt look good. <laughs> <laughs> so, but there's um, what are they? The 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 Kami, the Kami. The, there's little Pokemon. Yeah, they, well, they are. They're little Pokemon. Um, I picked up now? the the fire and the water Kami. Where, which faction are they? Uh, uh, they are Rokan. Yeah. Okay. Uh, from Prefecture, one of my favorite models is Tenchi, is the female bodyguard with Naginata. Okay. That, that's one of my favorite Prefecture model. Um, see, see, I picked up, the, I picked up the little Kami just to use as um, to paint up to use as totems, different totems. Mm. So I was gonna swap out the the little fire Kami, even though he's a bird. I was going to swap him out for um, um, purifying flame. Well, uh, actually, funny enough, no, ten letters. Who's uh, who's the Anne big oh, the yeah, the Shang, um, kid, Shang. Yeah, the big giant. Um, now I know people that like they have a they have a uh, they have a a Kitsune, Kitsune, They have one in here that actually a lot. I know a lot of people that like. The, it's a dual model. One is an actual yes. fox, and one is a fox girl. Mm. Yeah, I got one of those painted somewhere. Yeah. Overall, the their models are very nice, and they do. I think they do a great job. Like I said, matching the art and the art style is not bad. Uh, this is one of the few games that I that I've found uh, from sort of newer games 
that there is not there are not many models I wouldn't want to see across the table from me, even oh, if they're Eldorado. not the type of model. <laughs> well, it's it's that scenario though, right? I mean, Eldorado has models that not only do I not want to play them, but I also really don't want to play in a game with them in there. Mm. This. There's models I may not be big fans of, but I think the models look nice and with a good paint job, it'll make a nice scene on a table that that to me would be pleasant to play in a game. Yeah. I can see what you mean. Right. And uh, in Temple Temple of Rokan, I obviously like the Master Ikusa, which made everyone in my local games workshop laugh because they said, um, you know the base I done for him? That big Who rock. Master Ikusa, the little man kind of tortoise. <laughs> because they say, how is he going to get off that rock and how he, how did he get up? <laughs> that kind of made me reevaluate how I make my pieces. I kind of. <laughs> mm, I see what you mean. Because if you take weird bases, they often have like uh, some texture on them which gets cut off when it, you know, when the edge of base comes. And, uh, because I like to build my, but, but it works for them because they've really sh- like on the, on the ground type basis because I like to build them up, you know, centimeters or more, centimeter or more, you know, that won't really work for me. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, okay. Also, Hotaru, you know, the little girl who uses flame for Temple of Rokan, that's another miniature I really like. Yeah, they're very dynamic miniatures. I think uh-huh. some of these, you have to be able to paint. You know, I think some of them need some OSL, and if you don't know how to do well with object source mm. lighting, you'll run into issues. You need to be able to paint in such a way that you can match the dy- the, the dynamic state of the models. In my opinion. Now, I could be wrong, too, so... Kavan Rojin from Temple of Rokan is, again, another favorite. Uh, it's a big bull with a little boy riding it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. The little evil wizard for uh, Cult of Yurei called Mo Isis. Actually, no, he's not a wizard. He's like a corrupted official. But... <laughs> See, so you have like corrupted officials in uh, in the in the cult of Yurei. <laughs> okay, yeah. More ices. Oh, I see. Oh, uh, speaking of which, like I said, you know, they just went through addition uh, change, and uh, they changed every card, and uh, also they replaced them for free. For people who had the old ones. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. And since I've had nearly all models from... Uh, because they all the cards up to phase 7, they had it. And uh, I had everything up to phase 6. I, I only had, like, one phase 7 miniature. And I had a, so they basically just gave me four decks of all the stat cards. So I said, okay, which factions are you doing? I said, I'm doing all of them, Carl. Here you go. <laughs> they actually gave them to me at last salute, in fact. Because normally they've done it by mail. You send them an envelope. Right. A stamped envelope. And... Um, but I actually says, is there any chance you could like do them at salute? And so oh, that's a good idea. So they brought big pile of decks, and a lot of people went who came 
to see them at salute, you know, exchange their well, cards. Makes sense. I mean, it's saving on postage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Right, okay, more fact. Well, Temple of Rokan is obviously monks. That's another faction. Uh, they, uh, like, different types of monks. Uh, some of them are children, some of them are women. Uh, of all shapes, there's, like, really big, fat guy who's, like, the toughest monk of all around. Um, yeah, because uh, he's sort of like Kung Fu Panda, only he's human. <laughs> um... Well, there's uh, some just like normal peasant types in there, like fishermen, you have uh, rice farmers, that sort of thing. They're like support units for monks, which are very important, in fact. I wouldn't play a game without rice farmers. They're like really important. Because uh, they have the ability which uh, they can... Uh, Oh, it's something... Oh, I forgot what it is now, but they have uh, let monks do, like, extra actions or, or just give them key or something like... Oh, no, that's it. They can... Um, they have an aura where monks who use uh, uh, key abilities, they use by one less. Hmm, yeah. okay. So, that's, so if instead of, like, do spending three key, you spend two, and that means they last much longer. They can keep spamming special abilities uh, Temple is a quirky little faction which they really you do like combos with them and you know if you start losing them that's when they become weaker once if they start losing members hmm because they're all really specialized all yeah um, the last faction which debuted in last Gen Con, was um, called Silver Moon Syndicate, which is basically their mafia. There's lots of, like, abilities to do with chance and just, like, general dirty tricks, really. Okay. Um, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, like, things like triad tattoos and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, the thing is, um, this is weird because... um, before that, they haven't really done much with tattoos. And uh, there was, like, a competition they did just before Last Salute, which uh, I won, in fact. I did that with Sitsunagi. And um, everyone was really blown away with that tattoo. I didn't know of that twin, the snake fighting a demonic head on his back. Mm-hmm. And... Um, when I actually came to see them, they said, uh, you know... Uh, they, I showed them the miniature, and I said, you know... Because people, they kept asking us to show this model. <laughs> oh, wow. And, yeah, and uh, so I, they said, oh, look, we actually got this, uh, like, latest miniatures painted by professionals. and But this, they, they, own, they want to see your tattoo. So I left them that miniature in a glass cabinet, you know, and picked it up at the end of the day. And they said, you know how many times we had to get it out of the glass cabinet so we can turn it around to show people a tattoo? <laughs> people asked to look at it. And, uh, you know, a few months after that, they announced that they will be releasing uh, this uh, Silver Moon Syndicate faction, but, you know, <laughs> with lots of, you know, exposed uh, skin, so you can do, mm. like, 
uh, so you can do like um, tattoos on them. But the trouble is, the guy you have in the starters, they mainly they the skin which is exposed is in the chest, but they normally didn't have much in the chest. It's the back, <laughs> back right. arms, and only slightly overlap into the front, but yeah. the middle is empty. So they they just done like like general tattoos of designs, and they didn't particularly look like yakuza tattoos either. No, I mean they're quite different. Mm. I actually plan to do something else now. Okay. Uh, you know the sumo wrestler for Prefecture? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Uh, his name is Mikio. What I, I plan to do a really, really complicated tattoo on him. It's like a Japanese Buddhist deity called Fudo the Immovable. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be fairly difficult. And um, I'm also going to give him a face paint. Because, uh, like, a demonic face. Because he's a sumo oni hunter. So I'm actually going to paint teeth on just on his face. They're not actually, like, sculpted, but painted, like, as yeah. part of face paint. And paint a third eye on his forehead, which will actually look like it's painted on, you know, rather than being a real eye. Okay. So. Um, right. So we've gone through all the factions, touched on some of the rules. Um, what else? Um, they use missions as well. Well, and it's very, as far as I know, it's very objective based. Their game is right. Mm. But it's what you need to do is uh, you just need to, whoever wins the mission is the winner. It's just one mission. There's no like extra things which give you points. Right. It's, a, it's only the main mission which is most important, you know. Um, actually, Bill, you said you're doing these, like, short seminars about rule design and things. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually seen them anywhere. What, they already published? Uh, not yet, so... Ah, that's why yeah, I couldn't find that's, them. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not out there yet. They'll be coming up in some upcoming um, <laughs> Gamers Lounge episodes. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, Toby was a, Toby was a great guest, and uh, it, it was very interesting to hear their approach to the game. Uh, they're putting a lot into their retainer program. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's currently growing as I understand. Uh, there's actually some upcoming, uh, they have plugins in the rules for terrain to have its own rules to interact with the mm. game and everything along, along those lines, which are coming out, I think going through this year. They also have some rules about uh, like cards, which can be bought, which is basically upgrades. <laughs> right. I heard, yeah. Yep. Um, also, Bill, um, I was wondering if you'd be interested just to do like a one show with just talking about uh, rule design, really, and, you know, what is good and uh, how it evolved. Because the thing is, what the problem I find with some of the mission-based, objective-based games is they kind of become too... too abstract hmm. because 
as, not in, uh, because of that, they'll kind of lose realism. For example, you know, they're basically like gangs, and it w- and they all, and they fight to the last drop of blood. Really, that that can't be real, because if you take like old games, workshop games like Necromunda and uh, Mordheim, you know, there were time, you know, after they start taking casualties, if they really, there is a point when they decide it's not worth it. Right? Yeah, and, like, I, yeah. I mean. That's something I, I actually absolutely could see uh, discussing. It's um, it's something I've looked at a lot because I know, I know what it was in Malifaux that I liked, and as I'm looking at new games now, moving away from Malifaux, uh, it's definitely an area that I'm, um, that I'm considering more, if you will. Because- yeah, and it's not just that. I'm not just talking about Malifaux. I'm talking about all, like, mission-based games. No, absolutely. Which is quite a few. And also... Um, well, a I great example that... of that, um, you know, I mean, just to touch on it, a great example is um, one of the local players, uh, one, of, one of my friends and local players, Dixon, who's a big War Machine and Hordes player, is an absolute, um, you know, advocate. He's He's a huge proponent of the new missions that are in War Machine and Hordes. And he and I go back and forth quite a bit on that because as I've played War Machine and Hordes, I don't feel like the missions the the missions add anything drastic to the game. As a matter of fact, they it do. still to me feels like a secondary uh, you know, yes, maybe at the very top of the field that's what changes a game, but it still feels like a secondary <laughs> tack on to me. You know, the it's um is- I actually I liked missions originally. I just don't like littering uh, the battlefield with counters. That's what I don't like. <laughs> um, the thing is, I actually kind of I wanted to speculate on the different ways of earning points. I don't want to talk about that now. I want to save it mm-hmm. for that. Richie, would you be interested to in doing something like that? Yeah, it would be interesting. Um, yeah, because. <laughs> I might actually write down things I want to touch on, and you know, it would be, you know, interesting to game designers. Even who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. and before we go too far off topic, I know you had. I, I think you you guys also want to talk about dice and dice and cards, right? Do we want to uh, wrap yes. up anything else on Bushido? Check me uh, out. Okay, the <laughs> Taskmaster. <laughs> okay. It's like I'm organized or something. Woohoo! You can tell you did not go out last night. <laughs> mm, I didn't. Right. Um, I didn't go out. I had a very, very, very late night. And I'm feeling it. <laughs> oh. You didn't go to the Thames, did you? No. What happened to the Thames? Well, the fireworks display. Well, you oh, guys. No. Well, you had edible confetti in London. Really? How can you. Oh yeah, you had banana. Look it up. Actually, it was a big deal. You guys had banana flavored edible confetti. Oh, I just yeah, I just stayed in and watched <laughs> TV uh, and films. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember what they were now. It was very late. <laughs> I think I ended up getting to bed around four o'clock in the morning, and it was it was because of the fact I didn't have to work today, and that the little one was with the grandmother until the mor- until the afternoon. So therefore, I was like, hey, I can stay up until four, and no one's going to get me up in the morning. It was great, but I always find you do that, and even even though I got up at like eleven o'clock, I'm still feeling a little bit like everything's out of whack. 
Mm. Just a little bit. I know it's not jet lagged, but feeling a little bit like I am. Yeah. Almost. A little bit off. Yeah. So that's the re- even quiet. That's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did we actually discuss the main points of rule points of Bushido? Now I think pretty much. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I actually <clears> think <throat> I I kind of understand the point of it. And whereas beforehand I knew nothing. Mm-hmm. So I actually think yeah I get I get the idea. I think it, it sounds it. it it definitely sounds like, you know, they've definitely gone down a different avenue to other games. You see, Bushido think... is like Malifaux. If you change just one model in a list, that might actually change the strategy, you know, for you. That, that... Now, let me ask you this. In the community over in the UK, are you seeing... Are, are you seeing the same thing we're seeing in the States, which is Bushido is one of those games that people who are departing... Malifaux yeah. are looking at very seriously as their new game. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether or not they're actually picking it up is a different matter altogether, but mm. it's, one, it's one of the things they're looking at. That's being, yeah, looked at and discussed. I think, I think I'm seeing, well, not think, I know for a fact I'm seeing the same thing over here where there are niche communities that are starting to grow up, and a lot of them are <coughs> either. Malifaux players who are playing Malifaux less because, you know, with the change. I won't say because of the change, but Mm. they're playing it less. Or they are – I also saw quite a bit on people who didn't enjoy the the addition change in Malifaux and for whatever reason had moved on. It seems that we had really went out of their way to make sure that uh, people who didn't like the new edition actually quit the game altogether rather than just carry on playing the old one. Uh, you well, know, they went out of their way to do that. To be and honest. to put a positive spin on it, they were very successful with that goal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, they, you know, hey, Too if you're going to do a job, do it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andre, you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> See, I'm not sure if I agree right. with that, but that's a different, that's a different topic altogether. I mean... I think if they wanted to, they could have turned around and said, we're going to have no discussion whatsoever. Anything that's talking about version 1 or says that version 1 is better than version 2 is going to just be deleted straight away. They haven't done that. They've said, you know, you've got your own little thing. You know, 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 we're going to create your own little forum. No one's going to use it. We're going to create your own little forum. Uh, Don't get me started on that, Richie. It's going to (laughs) really... This conversation will go down to hell if we're going to carry on that direction. The point being is that they've allowed it. And that's the thing. If they really wanted to stamp it out, they could have been a lot harsher. Uh, And they haven't. So you've got to give them a little bit of credit in that respect. Well, no. The community done it for them. Yes, and that's not that's not necessarily. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's like Richie. Remember, uh, you actually asked the question for um, Anne's podcast. Uh, what's it called? Soulstone Train. Yes. If uh, about the conspiracy, whatever mm-hmm. we deliberately, you know, made first edition go down. Yes. And uh, I actually have a lot to comment on that, but I don't want to do it in the podcast. <laughs> did you Did you listen to their podcast? Yes, they didn't so, touch it. No, they did. No. And they said that, uh, with hindsight, they think that there was no conspiracy. Oh, okay. Well, right. That's <laughs> the thing I'm saying. You know, you know, did were, you know? Did they want to get rid of version one? Yes. I think I can understand why they would as well, because you know, 
I'm currently working on my game Crypt. Before that, I was working on the Malifaux Supplement Mali Quest. And since moving over to Crypts, I've given no attention towards Mali Quest whatsoever. The only thing I've done is I've put everything to a big zip file and said, if anyone wants it, it's here. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to put any effort into that game anymore because that's not the game I want to work on. So I can understand why they go, you know, we, you know, are we going to are we going to release stack cards, for example, for version two or exclusive models? They no. Well, I understand why not because why do they want to do the effort into something that they're not pushing? I get that. And so what I'm saying is that you know, did they try and stamp it out? Yes, for a reason I can kind of understand. Was it is is it ethical? Is it just? Is that that's that's a different subject altogether? But at the same time, could they have been harsher than they were? I think so. They could have been worse. They could have just simply, if you talk about version 1 in positive light, we're going to delete your threads. They didn't do that. They said, no, you've got your own personal... No, no, the thing is, they could have created bad PR if they did that. So community did it for them. Yes, and you have to you have to wonder that you know I mean that's part of, that's part of again and the strategy they've been really two faced there because uh, it uh, they done what they wanted even though without officially sen- saying it what they done you that's see where I'm ge- that's the, for me I just see that's clever oh yeah very I underhand mean, very manipulative and well, also well, I think that we're looking at this from, I think from different perspectives um, I was. Um, the other day, um, what was it Christmas Day? Uh, my wife and I were discussing about this. Is a, this sounds like a random subject, but this is actually related. <laughs> and we were talking about D and D alignments, and we went. To oh yeah, you're natural evil, weren't you? Neutral, neutral, neutral even. Yeah. And neutral. we went to the website. We did the test, and we t- and um, to find out what our official D and D alignment. If we. I and it turns out, as I said, I expected myself to be um, chaotic neutral. I, I thought that, you know, my uh, random thought processes and um, lack of thinking things through would make, put me in the chaotic group, and the fact that I'm neither, I mean, I'm a kind of a middle-of-the-ground person would put me in the, in the uh, neutral group. Um, but yeah, it turns out, actually, I'm neutral evil. And with this in mind... I'm looking at what they're doing, and I'm going, it's a bit bastardy, it's it's not the best thing for many reasons, but you pulled it off, and I got a hell of a lot of respect for that. <laughs> oh, how you know, true. So, I mean, yeah, and I'm think, I'm looking at it from a company point of view, and I can see you know, that they make so many stupid decisions as a company when it comes to making money. You know, um, for example, lack of quality controls, all these sort of ridiculous things. Um, there's, I can't remember the phrases now. Um, my wife used to work in merchandising, and there was a term they used. I think it was uh, green something, or red something. Anyway, um, seals, sealing. Have you heard of this? Um, it's um, something that's used in the manufacturing industry for, um, you have uh, red seals, green seals, and blue seals, I think it is. And the idea is is that something gets tagged as suitable or unsuitable or will need an improvement. And the idea is at every stage of the manufacturing process, you get something sent to you at every single stage, and you say, yes, I'm happy with this, move on to the next stage. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm happy with the next one, move on to the next one. And, and the point being is that over... and you numerous people are viewing it and it's been troubleshooted and tested and this, as I said this is the case with you know be electronics clothing the works 
And, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys have been following in the news recently to do with Weird. Um, I'm guessing not, because it's largely on their message boards and that sort of stuff. But I've noticed there have been a few um, rather interesting um, erratas put out, such as, uh, I think, who was it? I think it might have been Kojo the Monkey or something. He's recently had his base size changed. Oh, yes, I know that. And the reason is because he doesn't fit on the he doesn't actual... fit on the on the one he was he was supposed to be on. So what? they instead changed the rules to make him <laughs> fit in a bigger base, which clearly means it was not trouble. It was not there was no quality control there so, because someone so, would come along. So and hold on, what? hold on, because because that type of quality. Wow. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. So I'm that type of, that type of quality control used to be there. Yes, but I know several no models that. I mean, when I was involved in playtesting, so we're, we're going back way before I was the devil. Um, <laughs> there were several models where we were told in playtesting, this model must be on this size base because that's the base it's it's going to fit on and come with. So if you're going to design things, and in fact, there was lots of discussion that went back and forth on several of those models. I can think of one specifically. Izamu was meant to be on a smaller base, and that was an area where we were testing him on the larger base. He moved to the smaller base. And I actually, with my group, made a, a large case about why we, even though he should fit on a 40 millimeter, we need to push him back to a 50 from rules. There's other models that were specifically originally tested on 30s and then pushed out. Um, if I think about some of the other quality control, uh, the other one is Torakage. Torakage were uh, rare one or rare two all through testing. And then they found out they were going to have three in the box. So that's why they became uh, rare three or whatever. I mean, that... That always happens. So if I hear what you just said, and this is what's blowing my mind, they released a model mm-hmm. that made it all the way through testing and then had to errata it to a larger base mm-hmm. because they made the model too big. And Kojo is in the Marcus set, which was released mm-hmm. at Gen Con, wasn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. So they've so waited six months to errata something that they could have looked at the model six months yes, ago and made waited, the change then? No, wait. They waited <laughs> till someone actually bought one and said it doesn't fit. Yeah. Oh, that's absurd. That and, is um, I understand so as well. They've absurd. Done, um, it's not so much an errata, but they're now re- I think they've redone the uh, Ronin models to make sure that they all have the same size. Uh, oh, yeah. I, no, I haven't no, no, even no, no. opened mine yet, and I heard that they're complete giants is what they're I'm giants, be, uh, Yeah, they're oversized. And these, and that's the thing. These are these are things that really should. But then I'm but thinking only, to myself. Hold on, actually, only the this, isn't, this isn't new though. This isn't new because I remember back the not last Gen Con one before that when it was the book four release. Uh-huh. We had the situation with oh I can't remember they were called but the women with the fans. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how they were due to be released at Gen Con, but they were not because mm-hmm. when someone got hold of the actual stuff on the day, they were like, "We can't sell this. This is terrible." Oh, well, yeah. I, I was. Well, why I was... did they not? Why had they not seen it before? So, so I can give you some answer to that. I was actually in the in the. Uh, I was sitting at the table when Eric mm-hmm. opened up that box. Yeah, and they got those shipped to Gen Con from. The manufacturing in China. Mm-hmm. Nobody had seen a model before they showed up at Gen Con. Isn't that just ridiculously crazy planning? Yes. As a matter <laughs> of fact, furthermore, the Mayfang box set, the reason it was delayed is, and it's, um, I think you can go back. I'm pretty sure it was on Twitter, but they actually, everybody left. So Gen Con runs through the Sunday and then they pack up. Yeah. Everybody from Weird left 
and I, it, I think it was Eric, but somebody stayed behind two, two days. I want to say Monday and Tuesday because the Mayfeng boxes that were being shipped to Gen Con to be sold starting on the Thursday were still in transit and had oh been delayed and were being delivered to the hotel. So somebody had to stay to receive the box. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, so they've always like they yeah. ship for Gen Con. They push it right to, they've always yeah. pushed it right to the wire. Um, I understand. It's insane. I I understand what their reasoning behind that is, and they say that you know because they want to make it available to people, and they push it as late as possible to make sure they can get as best quality as possible. Chipton's also their biggest money maker. That's they 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 build their business around selling stuff at Gencon. And for me, I was like, well, you need to have the quality control. If you start removing quality control, which exactly is what that is doing, right then the, the people you're hurting are the people who are buying it. Because they're going to be getting subpar stuff. Because things are going to slip through. And it has. People, you won't let me slip a word through, you know. <laughs> you need to be aggressive, couple dude. Of, couple of things. Uh, also, uh, Richie, I kind of noticed in the podcast, my voice is always the most quiet one. It's probably something that... Is there any way you could make me louder, maybe? No, I can't, unfortunately. The way it's recorded is it's single stream, so it records all of us on one level because I've only okay. got free software. Um, is, is there any way you can turn your volume up your, um, on your um, microphone? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, anyway, two we, we things... We could I'm... just start talking quieter. Yeah, you... yeah that, that would help, yes. Okay, two things I wanted to say is, first of all, uh, the uh, Ronin, well, not just Ronin, but all of the Vix crew, which were gigantic in the Gen Con edition, they actually fixed them, and uh, someone actually posted a comparison, you know, of... Oh, uh, yes, I know, I know it's going to be fixed. My, my point is that, in my opinion, it shouldn't even go, it shouldn't be a single one... Shouldn't have ever been that problem, right. Yeah. But it's too late for Bill, though, isn't it? <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's, I, unfortunately, I ordered mine, you know, back at Gen Con, so I, I haven't assembled them yet, but I wonder, what am I supposed to do with my models? Funnily enough, I wouldn't mind oversized Taylor, because I always imagine there's a burly woman. <laughs> so, uh, big Taylor and everyone else small. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, kind of also... Like Amazonian style. Hmm. Also, uh, Ikirio for Kirai, she's also just been moved from 30 millimeters to 50 millimeters. Who's that again? Ikirio. Really? Yeah, because it's going to be. Have you seen the latest concept art for Ikirio? Uh, no, I, I have not been it's, following. It's on Twitter. It's on Twitter of uh, Justin's Twitter. Uh, see, now you're going to make me go look. I'm going to be disgusted, <laughs> aren't I? So 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 tell me the good news Andre they uh they went out and they just went ahead and used the avatar right the the avatar art and that's why it's uh, it's going to be good It's sort of it might have been but avatar <laughs> is something else now isn't it Because Ikirio's going to be huge now yeah it actually looks like uh, Kirai avatar Really Also there has it, been well, lots that's of That's not interest- horrible I actually like the I don't like the wacky arms, but overall, I didn't. I didn't think the Karai avatar was bad. Yeah. Who was Ikirio? Ikirio's Ikirio the ghost. Ikirio is the thing she summons. Uh, she, she can only have one. It's her soul, you know, given yeah. for. 
What model was that originally? She's like really tall with hair going in all directions like a star. It came in Kirai Fox. Oh, that model. I hated that model. It's huge now. I it really looks like something out of the ring now, though. Oh, my goodness. I can't Why? Why is why is Karai... St- is that Karai? Why is she standing like that? Oh, oh there's been the... lots of negativity on the forum about the design of new Karai and new Lost Love as well. Oh, that's the Lost... That's yeah. The, that's, that's, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. So he's killing himself now instead of being shot by a guard. Are they going to retcon that as well? I don't know. <laughs> it's possibly cutting his own heart out or something like that. Yeah, except that's not how he died. Go back and read the story. Which is I, actually, I've been, um... I've, wow. One, one of the things that was, ooh, bloody hell, she's huge. Is that Ikirio in the back? That's not Datsu? Okay, there's Ikirio there, which is huge, uh, thing which bent over. That's yeah. Ikirio. I would have thought is... that's Datsu. Because of the old lady kind of feigned face. That's a no. horrible Akirio. Oh, that's just... That's... There's, there's like four figures oh. there. There's two yeah. Seishin, two Seishin, Lost Love, uh, Ikirio, and Kirai. I don't like Lost Love. I, no, I, I don't. This is, this is comical. Like, this is, yeah. in my on opinion, comically bad. On the forums, to, people normally like the new Seishin. Although they say they look a bit big. And mostly people like the new Ikiryo, that huge thing. But everybody hated Lost... Nearly everyone hated Lost Love. And um, uh, there's actually a very interesting uh, uh, topic on the forum. I might link it to you later, which you might want to read. It doesn't It doesn't help me at all. I can't go on the <laughs> forums anymore. I, I've been banned for a good long time, so... Oh, use different browser. Just, no, just, no, it's like, it's IP based. Yeah, there's there's more to it than that. There was they they banned a name, and then I I made another account to just sort of check in from time to time, and uh, wasn't posting anything, and they got very upset by that and banned it by IP. So I mean, I could go to the honestly, I could go to the effort of logging in as a guest, or I could go to the effort of. Uh, of you know switching no, my no, IP I mean, address and it. renewing, just to but, read uh, it, I guess. Yeah. Just go there to read yeah. it. It's yeah. <laughs> it's not worth the effort. It's no. too much drama. <laughs> it really is. There's I mean, so many actually, other good things that I could <clears throat> be spending my time this is, on. This, this, this is one of the funny things. Um, <laughs> one one of the things I was very fortunate to get this Christmas mm. was um, my awesome wife bought me loads of books, basically. Two of those books was book two and book three of Malifaux, which I'd never actually owned before. Oh, yeah. okay. And so I'm only now just reading the actual fluff. And I'm reading through this, and I'm going, you know, I've read the stuff that's come out in the Weird Chronicles and stuff because I'm a bit of a, you know, it, it's it's an element of self-punishment almost in a way because I'm reading it going you know I, I want to enjoy it again basically that's the way of putting this but you know and I'm reading these books and I'm going this is how it's supposed to be yeah I was going to ask do you like so I mean those were that was Graham and, and Bowen and um, and Kelthia's Dan 
who yeah. did a lot of that writing. I actually enjoy their writing. Now, mm. I know I know Bowen outside of outside of, you know, Malifaux. So, um I've read some of his other stuff. I actually um I actually like a lot of their writing and I like I like Graham or Graham. I, I like his writing. Mm. Um I did pick up the new book and I was very disappointed in the 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 in, the incredible drop in the quality of writing in I the in the books. I haven't, I haven't bought it yet. <clears throat> I know um, you have the one, haven't you? Yes, yes, I have. And I read all the stories. And uh, well, to be honest, um, actually, one of my favorite stories for Malifaux was actually in one of Weird Chronicles. It's one about Zoraida, where some kid whose girl been uh, put in prison by his corrupt official. Yeah, that was a great story. That's that I think was I'm so almost amazing. positive that's one of Graham's. Great Graham Graham. Is that one of the early? No, it's 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 in one of the recent chronicles, like five or something, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think that was um G R A E M E. He's um I'm pretty sure he's a British guy, Graham. Yeah. Yeah, he's a. I I like his writing, and he's done a lot of writing for them for a while. It actually sounds like a horror story. Mm Hmm. And. uh, for me, I have to, I, I, mean, I hate to say this, but for me, one of the biggest turn points is, and this, and I know against a lot of what the internet says, this is just heresy to say this. But the thing I really disliked, and it kind of for me, it was the shut off point, was the um, the recent Chronicles McMorning story. I don't know if you've read that, you guys. No. You mean the uh, the electric box? Yes. Yeah, that just um, was. I I read that. And I, got, I know what you're going for, but it's it struck me as <clears> as, <throat> as if you know, I don't know. It's really hard to describe it. Amateur, I suppose. Is yes. Um, oh, that's what I noticed. A bit too much of a focus on the comical, and oh, and it was tr- it was trying to be comical and horrific. Without actually being either. <laughs> well, that's the what is it? Uh, when you try too hard, you fail yeah. at everything you're trying for. Exactly. Okay, I just want to. Okay, in the main book, there's like a big story at the front, which isn't actually associated with any of the uh, factions, but uh, mm-hmm. it's about some gambler guy who's uh, kind of got in trouble in uh, gambling halls, and he's pursued by like several groups, and uh, some woman leads him out of it, and she kind of. Uh, leads him through like quarantine zone and in the end it, she turned out to be Lilith and she just uh, lured him into a trap where Nephilim turned him apart and okay. like what is the point of that it's like why would Lilith want to bother with doing that anyway <laughs> so why yeah. would she like pose in some gambling hall just like as a woman just to lure one guy <laughs> I haven't, I haven't read the story, so I don't really know. And uh, also, but they at the same kind time, of... I did. I, the... In book, I, I liked in book four the random stories, the ones that were just focusing on random characters having their lives in this wor- in the world. I thought that was quite. It was. It, it gave a nice, was... different. Yeah, this I one think... was something I noticed. It was written very amateurish, to be honest. Mm. And they tried to build suspense, but it failed. It, it, it didn't work at all. And I guess that's where I get stuck is I, I read a lot. I, I, I read a lot, a whole lot, both audiobooks and, and actual physical 
uh, physical media books and, and magazines and short stories and, and whatnot. I read just as much mainstream fiction and nonfiction as I do f- sort of a sandbox fiction, if you will, uh, fiction, fiction in a established universe. So like a, mm. like, like we're talking about, like what's in Chronicles, the, the game fiction, uh, game fiction that's coming out for uh, Wild West Exodus has, has their own, uh, even the 40k and a lot of the Black Library stuff is where I'd put sort of pulp fiction or, or sandbox. Mm-hmm. Fiction, because oh, you're. Which, Bill, just to interrupt you. Yep. Um, I want. I want to um, thank you for your review you did on um, the um, Wild West Exodus novel. Novel. Oh. Um, based on that, I've downloaded a sample, and I'm due to be as soon as I got some, as soon as I get paid next. I'm going to be buying the ebook of the actual book because the sample reads fantastic. That's great. Now, what I will say is this: Did you listen to the audio review or the written review, or did you read the written review? the audio review when you, when it was you um another With guy Craig? and the yes yes yeah did you listen to all the spoilers i did <laughs> <laughs> but i'm okay because i i i saw um the sixth sense only a few years ago and despite okay. clearly knowing what happened still enjoyed it and one of those guys as long even if i know what happened as long as it's well written and you know you can get through it and still enjoy it even though even if you know what's coming because it's yeah, well, well written I'm I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear you enjoy that because that's something the no gamer left behind segment is something I'm going to uh be doing more more often now. Um so and it's it's not just going to be gaming like up till now it's all been reviews on gaming books and it's uh or game you know sandbox fluff if you will and I'm going to be uh kind of splintering out from that and doing some other things. Um but I guess you know where I was going and this is Andre I think I, it sounds like you had the same experience. I read a lot of things I enjoy just reading, and I've read a lot of bad, honest, bad I writing. Read, I hardly read anything okay. lately. I used to read a lot as a child, and I used to read a lot when I just came to this country, but now I don't really any, have any time to read. I just, uh, you know, paint. I think that's, yeah, I think one of the things that, even if I was still playing as regularly, or if I had made the switch to second edition, the writing quality... In I the like new short book, stories really normally. dropped. Mm. I like from short where stories. it used to be. Yeah. Uh, also, actually, I quickly go through all the stories there. Uh, Neverborn one about Pandora and Lilith, uh, kind of so-so-ish. Nothing too ama- nothing amazing though. Just like slice of uh, combat for Lilith, but Lilith at least sounded like Lilith. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because in the first story, she wasn't. Um, another Arcanists uh, really showed uh, uh, Ramos as a proper bastard, <laughs> but um, again, that was a so-so story. Not like the worst one, definitely. But people say like, "Oh, it was so scary," and it wasn't. <laughs> that was the one where he faces off with Raspy. Yeah, I felt like that was a, like I, I felt like that was not only incredibly predictable. But then when you get to the end, I just sort of went, eh, okay, no, no crap. I mean, effectively, Richie, he, he watches Joss, he fixes up Joss's arm, mm-hmm. climbs the mountain to confront Raspy, is able to fight Raspy a little bit, and at the very beginning when he finishes up with Joss, he casually turns to two door guards and goes, follow me, and makes him hike all the way up the mountain with him. And then at the very end, when he realizes he can't face off against Raspy, and Raspy says, well, if you're going to leave here, I have to... I have to, uh, I can't be up here weak to my own people. 
And would you like to predict what happens? Mm. <laughs> you know, he sacrifices his two guards. No yeah. crap. I mean, you know, it was one of those <laughs> where I, I, I just, it was, there's ways to do predictable without being badly predictable. Yeah. Now, Resurrectionist story was the only one which I actually liked, but for all the wrong reasons, so. Okay. What's that? Because it was like a Joker and Heliquin story. <laughs> and I like DC Comics, so. Another thing okay. which I really don't get is because there was a really good story about Molly in one of the. Uh, uh, what's that easy and called again? just slips my mind. Oh, in Chronicles, yeah. Yeah, Weird Chronicles, about where she actually splits from Seamus. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll quite enjoy that one. But in there, it's like they're back together like nothing happened. She's like Harley Quinn to Joker. She helps him to <laughs> break out of asylum. It's a Batman... Uh, uh, the only thing that's missing is Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um... What else? Because she basically helps him break out of there and brings him his gun. I thought they parted ways, and very dramatically as well. <laughs> oh, I'm clearly out of date with my readings, because I, I don't know any of that. <laughs> okay, and <laughs> the one, blind. the story, which another story I really hate, was the outcast story, because um, of Leviticus, how they portrayed Leviticus. He's not your typical... Merc, who just does jobs, isn't he? Women are women. How do they portray? How do they? How, how do they portray him? As you know, a typical mercenary who just does odd jobs for anyone. Interesting. I mean, <laughs> okay, that's yeah. I mean, I, I we're... <laughs> yeah. It's a story about Tara hiring Leviticus to get uh, the shard of uh, obliteration for her. And she gives him quite a few, uh, you know, valuable soul stones to do that. So he gets one of the uh, construct guild constructs hunter. Uh, she go- he goes there w- just with uh, what's her name um, with Alice. He Alice yeah. and and one construct. He went there to hunt this guy, <laughs> and okay. you know he has a hard time. So. Vix come out of nowhere and actually helps him out, but, you know, he says, okay, we'll split it 50-50, and they say, nah, 60-40. Well, I think <laughs> some things um, have, to, have to have changed, to be honest, just because of the change in style. I mean, Levy in particular, he is, out of all the artwork I've seen for version 2, he's the only artwork I enjoy. Hmm, Okay. Um, all the others I do not like, pure and simple. It's not my state. It's not my style. It's not my taste. Oh, and also he has like a curiosity shop in Malifaux where he accepts his assignments. Come, come he on. Already, he actually already has that. He had yeah. That, I think it's book one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the point being is that he now looks so different. Mm. You can't. A person can't change how they look so much without changing how they act. So the fluff will have to have changed to compensate for that. Um, and I've heard from a lot of people that it's it, the problem that they've encountered is that it's jarring. It's literally from this point, you know, up until this point, their old style. Right. From this point onwards, their new style. There is no transitional gradient. Um, but I believe, unfortunately, <laughs> I think we have to call time. Yeah, yeah I, I, and unfortunately, I have to jump off. I apologize for that, but uh... it's okay. Uh, I think as, as as any that's as good a time as any to leave it. I mean, it's coming to eleven o'clock now, and I've got to be in bed anyway. So, <laughs> okay. 
Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having me on again. Thank you for coming again. That was lovely. <laughs> so, and and I'm more than you know. Whenever whenever you want to abuse me, I'm I'm here for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know your place. <laughs> okay, so Richard, what we have our outstanding topics again. <laughs> Why change if it works? <laughs> to start as you mean to go on, as they say. <laughs> okay, so um, on that note, uh, thank you all for listening in. I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. We'll be back in, in a month or two's time with yet more. Okay, Sorry, happy, new <laughs> happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year!